Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And from our secret bunkers here where we're hunkered down, quarantined, uh, we're ready to podcast. And we've got a good one this time. Uh, Dwayne, we, you know, we had to, you know, we did some tap dance, we had to figure some stuff out. You know, this was a, a week that was slotted in for a news episode. And uh, here's the news episode. There's no movies in the theaters. Nothing's happening. Everything's delayed. News episode's over. So Dwayne had to pick something for us to watch this week. So Dwayne, tell us what you picked. Yeah, well, with uh, you know the only news being everything is either canceled or delayed or coming straight to home video, uh, very little uh, in the way of casting news. We're talking about Super 8. J.J. Uh, J. Spielberg's, I mean, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> 2011 yes. Super 8. Yes. Uh, yeah, this movie has been on my radar, and it kind of just wasn't ever easy to get a hold of for me. And I don't know why I never saw it. This is right at my wheelhouse. But yeah, this is something I wanted to delve into. Uh, Sammy being the only one of us who's seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this movie did not disappoint. Yeah, this has got this has gotten by me too, and I'm I'm I mean I just I'm thrilled you picked it. Uh, this was a great time. I'm I'm spoiling grades here, I guess, but um, yeah. it was a great pick. Good. Well, nice. with that being said, gentlemen, since we're all in quarantine, let's share with ourselves and our listeners some things we uh, deem worthy of checking out, getting into. So let's. Do this in a hundred seconds or less with our keeping it one hundred. It's time to keep it one hundred. One hundred. One hundred. One hundred. All right. And so I get the privilege of going first, and I've got a good one this time, guys. So here we go. All right. Um, so my quest for you guys and for the listener is a new podcast called Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald. And uh, for the last several years, I've been having like this internal debate like what my favorite TV show of all time is. And it's always between Scrubs, Firefly, and the IT crowd. And it's always, whichever one I saw most recently is the winner. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't actually decide. And so I was thrilled to discover on my, like those, those podcast you like a recommended new podcast thing. I saw Donald Face on and Zach Braff's face on a podcast. They're the, they were the two main characters on Scrubs. There was like those three people. There was them and Sarah Chalk. Um, mm. But they have stayed best friends over the years. And they decided to host a, a fan show about the show they were on. And they're doing their own rewatch of the entire nine-season show. Um, and so they're watching the show and then recording a podcast and telling behind-the-scenes stories. Uh, so the first episode, they talked about how they got cast, the audition process. Um, on the, the second episode just came out, and they were talking about like uh, that big gap between the pilot and when the actual season starts, because like, there's that huge process, and how they all got hammered at the release party, you know, all this, all this kind of stuff. And the behind-the-scenes stories, and their friendship is so real and so entertaining, and they always have, like, the last thing is they have a fan calling and asking questions, and it's hilarious. So my quest for you is fake doctors, real friends. That's my keeping it 100. 
a podcast to check out. All Great. Right. That uh, sounds like a ton of fun. Yeah, I love to delve into shows and, and uh, especially when there's good relationships with the cast in the shows. Um, I'm next up here on the Keeping 100 and mine isn't going to be as upbeat. Um, <laughs> as, as the quote-unquote Rona is making its way around the world and through the world of entertainment, we've lost a phenomenal entertainer, singer, songwriter this week, discovered in 1971 by Chris Christopherson, John Prine. If you don't know the name, you've heard his songs. Uh, Bonnie Raitt famously uh, with Angel from Montgomery. Um, I, I know a lot of the new country singers uh, have really been kind of having a resurgence with his music. Uh, phenomenal singer, songwriter, um, has had a really hard, interesting life. But uh, you know, he was taken from us you know, at 73 years old, really still too early. But uh, yeah, delve into some John Prine uh, and uh, just enjoy the storytelling and the interesting perspectives there. And that's my keeping it 100. Right. Is that that sounds like country music? <laughs> he is uh, he is a country uh, writer, but uh, I'll tell you, he, I'm not a, a I'm not a new country fan. I do like the old country. Uh, his writing. Transcends country. His his writing truly transcends country. It, it um, would have it would have to. I've got a country music allergy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do I do too for a lot of it. But now his writing really transcends. And and if you think along the vein of like you know how Chris Christopherson wrote Janis Joplin, you know this is this is kind of one of the right along that same vein of Americana. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So, gentlemen, I guess I'm going to round out our keeping at 100, and uh, I guess I'm jumping straight in. All right. I'm sorry. Here you go. Go. Oh, so um, (laughs) due to quarantine, I've been doing a lot of reading lately, um, and one of the the comic book series I've never read and always heard a lot about was 1985's Squadron Supreme by Mark Grunewald and Bob Hall. So I knew a little bit about the Squadron from reading Avengers books uh, as far back as October of 69. We see the Squadron. But Grunewald's book, Grunewald's series, um, really took me by surprise. This is a deconstruction of the superhero genre. Now, I know that that seems like nothing new, but you've got to keep in mind, this book was written a year before Watchmen. So this was something that was being worked on before Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons ever introduced Watchmen to the world. And this story really builds with each issue. It deals with gun violence, sexism, uh, you know, just tons and tons of of ideas about what would superhumans be if they actually like real people. Um, So if you like stories or shows like The Boys, if you like Watchmen, um, you know, this feels very much like a prequel to those types of stories. Uh, I've been reading on Marvel Unlimited, uh, but I'm sure it's available in other spots. So if you have not checked it out, check out Squadron Supreme by Mike Grunewald. And that's my keeping it 100. Interesting. That is that is interesting. See, I've always thought of the Squadron Supreme is just like the Marvel Justice League knockoffs. Well, and they are. They're, they're very much. They are. They are very much analogs for 
the Justice League. Hyperion flat out is Superman. Zarda hands down is Wonder Woman. Um, you know, but there, there's a scene where uh, Zarda or Power Princess that they call her is is doing basically a PSA, and you you maybe know this scene then. Uh, and Doctor Spectrum, who's the Green Lantern analog, decides to kind of reach out and dro- get her top dropped right in the middle of filming. Um, and, and so you know. <laughs> For a 1985 story, mainstream Marvel, this isn't Marvel Max, this isn't Vertigo, this isn't any of this stuff. This is mainstream Marvel at the time. Um, it definitely delves into some issues. So wow. That was interesting. Right. So you had a Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, had a, there. she had a little bit of a... Wardrobe a, malfunction. Wardrobe malfunction, yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. I think it's time to get into our main quest for the evening, and that is our Super 8 review. But we always begin with our thoughts and grades. And so, Sammy, you're the only one with any history with this movie. So why don't you go first and tell us what your opening thoughts and grade are. Okay. You know, I think one of the things we talked about with our last movie, The Sandlot, is how it was a great depiction of this time in history. And I really think Super 8 is the same way. Uh, this is 1979. This this small industrial steel town in Ohio, it just feels so so perfect. You know, I remember a lot of this stuff. I would have been around four, going on five at this point. So I have memories of these clothes, uh, these homes looking the way they look. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as a movie buff, you know, we've made the the joke that that JJ is definitely channeling Spielberg on these. Uh, that's a for sure, and I'm sure that'll come up later in, in some <laughs> awards and discussions. Um, but I think it's also some nods to classic 50s and 60s science fiction, yeah. um, and I appreciate that. I'm a huge fan of, of those movies. So if I were giving it a grade, and I went back and forth on this, I'm going to give it an A+. Plus. I am. I really, really enjoyed this movie, and I forgot about how much I truly did enjoy it. All right, well, I, I'm next, and I, I hate that I missed this thing. Um, I wish I'd seen it before now so that I could have watched it more times before. Because um, this is not going to be a, you know, that was a fun movie, and put it on the shelf and never think about it again. I really enjoyed this movie. It was thought-provoking in some ways. I mean, it's not the deepest movie ever, but, it, I mean, it, it makes you feel things um, that aren't just anxiety and dread and insecurity <laughs> like we're all feeling right now. <laughs> but, I mean... I think J.J. deserves a lot of credit for this. As much as it is an homage to Spielberg and some of his heroes, um, it's really well-directed. It's really well-written. With only a few exceptions, the acting is top-notch, which is amazing so many kids are acting in this movie. (laughs) Um, I mean, the action and effects hold up. I mean, there's a a few little moments where you can tell, like, yeah, the CGI has improved quite a bit. Um, but this is a great flick, and so I'm going to go A-plus, too. Uh, I've really had a great time with this movie. I was really impressed. Cool. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is a movie that I, I was on my radar from way back when it was first advertised. thought really interesting looking, really great looking. Uh, being a J.J. fan, and this is after um, after his Star Trek foray, so we have the uh, the famous lens flares quite a bit. <laughs> so many. 
so many Lance Flares. I love it. And I love that's a thing with him. I, I, I truly do. I love that that's a thing with him. I think he's uh, CGI-ing into extra Lance Flares. I, I, I believe that. Maybe they couldn't get the monster quite working, but he found out how to CGI some Lance Flares. There. And if I'm not mistaken, if you watch the, if you're listening to the commentary or watch the making of the the 2009 JJ Star Trek, he does say he has added some. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> he, he has, but no, yeah. truly. And as Sam said, you know, he's channeling, he's channeling, uh, you know, these classic monster movies. He's channeling, uh, you know, so much. Uh, you know, not only Spielberg, but you get, you know, a little bit of John Hughes feels in here with the, some of the older teenagers and stuff. You get quite a lot of that. Um, I love the stoner guy. Now, I guess I can get back into disco, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the relationships really work. The acting, like James said, it's top-notch. And a lot of these guys are TV guys. You know, not only do you have the kids, you have the TV guys. Um, I thoroughly enjoy this movie. This is a movie I really want to spend a little bit more time with. And I think it's going to grow with and on me. Um, I, I, I had a hard time. And this week was a really, really hectic week for me. But uh, And I had to take two goes at this movie just because I was so exhausted, not because I didn't enjoy it. Uh, and I think I've missed a couple things. So at, as my grade stands right now, and I see the grimaces on the faces, is I'm going with a B. But this, like I said, this who is who are a, you? <laughs> but no, I, I really did have a lot of fun, and the relationships really, really worked. But I think there's probably some stuff like you, you guys, that I'm missing. There's some stuff that I could maybe grasp, just being exhausted to watch it this week. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm having to go B with just my my first go with it, and I didn't get to watch it twice like I like to with our reviews, but uh, I really, it's some, this movie is something I really want to spend some more time with. And especially did, the mystery sounding the, surrounding the monster. Did you start film school while we were paying attention? Because you got like <laughs> super hardcore as your grades lately. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to gush about everything we, we view, even though, you know, I, I do want to enjoy everything we review. <laughs> Uh, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to gush, and I, I, I do want to, you know, kind of take a little critical view of things. And you know, I, I, I think it's partially my fault, guys. I really do. <laughs> After setting the bar so low with the Star Wars Holiday Special, <laughs> Sammy broke me. <laughs> and Flash Gordon. <laughs> I was going to bring that up. I think Dwayne is has has been like, you know what? I've seen really rough. <laughs> See the rest. I don't know what this is. I've got to look at these movies a little closer now. <laughs> yeah. Well, as as I'm blaming Sam for breaking me, um, I would like to start off here in just a moment with our fan section and show some love to this movie. Graphically novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not so classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel, three brothers who like each other but love comics. Okay, and we're back with the fans. And, you know, I, as I was talking about earlier, there, there's so much good in this movie. The, the setting, the era, the, uh, the relationships, the acting is really great. Uh, one of the things I really did enjoy was you don't get the big reveal with the monster. 
you don't get it's always kind of a mystery it's always there in the shadows are lurking and you know i know that's always been a, a trope and i'm not a huge fan of the monster movies that, that just show all the gore and, and and horror there all the time but it was so refreshing you, know, you, you see at the gas station wham the cop car is demolished guy goes out and you see nothing aside from him being dragged back behind the shelves, you know, and just just the tension that that creates. Uh, that's that's one of the things that I loved a lot about this movie. Yeah, I had that on my on my list too. So I, I think there's like this is like ninety percent like Spielberg influence, a little about ten percent John Carpenter here too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think if you think of movies like The Thing, uh, even the original Halloween, which we we saw a poster of, you know, those types of things. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely uh, some John Carpenter feel to it also, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you, you get a lot of classic nods. I mean, you know, it, even, you know, with the adventures and stuff and the relationships. I mean, even, you know, as far as the Goonies and stuff, you see some nods to that. But, like, I mean, that works really well, though. Like, when you take, like, a sci-fi story and, like, use some of those horror elements, it works for, like, the first Alien movie. I mean, that's what that mm -hmm. is. It's a oh, sci-fi exactly. movie with horror stuff in it. I mean, it's... Yeah. It works really well. Oh, definitely. All right, Sammy, you're next. So I guess I'm up with my fans. So I've already alluded to this a little bit. And uh, one thing I always love in a period movie like this, I'm always looking for do they, you know, does the director create an authentic setting? And that's my biggest fan with this movie is the authenticity. Uh, everything is exactly the way it should be. Uh, like I said, from the clothes to the hair, you know, the sister's got the fair hair going on. Yes. Uh, you know, but, but, you know, and, and I have a few memories of, of seeing even young, seeing young ladies in those shorts and tops. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that, um, you know, when you look at the, the kids themselves and you look at their rooms, I love looking around and getting those shots of what's in their rooms. When you look at Charles, the movie buff, you've got the Bruce Lee poster. You've got mm -hmm. Halloween. Uh, issues of creepy magazine from Warren Publishing are laying around his room. You know, Joe is your creative, right? He's got his model kits, the Star Wars model kits, the Universal Monsters. There's comic books laying around his room and hanging on the walls. You know, Detective Comics 475, right? The Laughing Fitch, right? I know that story. You know, that's the story that, that influenced Paul Dini and uh, Bruce Timm for Batman the Animated Series. Uh, there's a copy, an oversized reprint of All-Star Comics number three, which is the first appearance of the Justice Society of America on one of the shelves. I love that authenticity. And to me, J.J. brought that in spades with this movie. So that's my big fan. Yeah, that really did, uh, you know, the uh, the houses, the hair, uh, the cars, the whole thing uh, really set you in that era. And, you know, just like Sammy, you said, uh, you know, you see in the, the, the tops and the shorts on the young ladies. I, I still have a soft spot for the Farrah Fawcett hair. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was so placed and so well done. Well, I, I can't comment on that. I wasn't alive yet. <laughs> <laughs> we know, Jamie. All right, Jamie. 
Uh, you know right, what, I'm Sammy? A, this is coming from the most bald guy <laughs> on the Scott screen here. Hey, careful. I'll, I'll make sure I get the glare on you. So I'll, I'll mess you up. Hey, uh, nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I had a couple of options here, and you, Dwayne took one of them. And I've got two left to choose from, and I don't know what to choose. Uh, I've got one I can twist into an award segment later, so I'll, use, I'll save it. Um, I'm going to go with the, with the kids in the movie. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of a great companion with our uh, Sandlot rewatch, yeah. um, except yeah. all of these kids can act. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that the kids in the movie Yeah, this all these are, kids can act. Yeah, um, but they're even more realistic than the kids mm-hmm. in the Sandlot. I mean, these just feel like kids. That was clearly like the, a nostalgia piece in the Sandlot. These kids are, I mean, they're natural. Um, a couple of them are top notch. Um, I'm not saying which ones because we've got an award segment later. It's all right. um, but some of these kids have, have futures. I mean, a couple of them have already been in bigger stuff. But like yeah. some of these kids are, I was really impressed. Um but the level of acting is great. Um, but there's like, even in the midst of like some real trauma and all this crazy stuff swirling around them, they, they, I, mean, I think that this is how kids would react. They would be traumatized, but they would still be kids. The kids, yeah. the kids who says of blowing stuff up would still be, I mean, that would still be his hang up, right? He would still be trying to blow stuff up, you know? Um, but like, so even as they're trauma, and some of the kids, like the, 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 I guess the kid who's supposed to be like the cool one or whatever, like he's the one that can't deal, you know? He's the one that wanted to be in front of the camera, but like he can't deal, you know? Right. He, breaking down and it just feels like they really felt like real kids going through real stuff in an authentic childlike way and it, i was i just found it all really charming and i was impressed with with the kids i mean well there's there's award segments later we'll get into it <laughs> well, there's there's a there's a thing i want to ask you jamie i know um i know your wife is a huge foo fighters fan yeah did the pyro kid remind you of a young Taylor Hawkins? Oh, he does if have that. He's got the he hair and face. He does have the hair and face. <laughs> <laughs> if there's ever a Foo Fighters documentary, like he has to be, they have to cast him as young Taylor. Because <laughs> they're probably still teenagers, right? Because it's a 2011 movie. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're probably at the cusp of... Yeah. of yeah. He could play. I mean, when they when they do the Foo Fighters story, he could play young Taylor. He could play. There you go. <laughs> I was like, like, is this guy? Is this? Let me check the date on this movie. <laughs> You're not wrong. I'll I'll ask my wife later if she if she agrees with us. Yeah, that was a that was fun. Well, you know, the, of all the love we have for this movie, I'm sure there's some faults and some cracks in the uh, in the tracks there. So let's go throw some pants. I don't have much. Um, I gave it an A+. I love this movie. Um, but I do have a nitpick. There's an actor in this movie who I like. I like him. He's good in almost everything. Except for when it's time for a really dramatic moment. And Kyle Chandler doesn't just dial it up to 11. He dials it up to 111. He acts so hard. <laughs> and it drives me nuts. <laughs> Like 90% of the time, he's fine. But yeah. when it's time to be dramatic, he starts doing his 
acting. Everyone quiet. I'm acting over here. And it's just too much, man. Yeah. It pulls me out of the movie. I roll my eyes so hard they hurt when it's done. I mean, it's tough, man. There's, there's like three scenes in this movie where he's just trying way too hard. And it's moments that are, are really pivotal emotional moments. And I just can't stop looking at his face like, dude, just relax. <laughs> well, like I said, he's a, he's a, he's a fine actor. But he has these moments where he just goes over the top, and it's too much, and it drives me nuts. It's like visual nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jamie, mine is very similar to yours, and, and I think you hit it on the head. I'm, uh, I couldn't quite place where I was feeling, you know, um, there, it seemed to be, like you said, a little bit of overacting, and just where some of the really emotional scenes just didn't land. And, and it could have been him, but that was my biggest thing is, is that some of the emotional scenes, I know, I know one of our awards later or the kicked in the feels moment. I'm going to spoil that is a kicked in the feels moment. And there was a few that I was looking at like, man, that really maybe should have been, you know, Kyle, and, and it just wasn't. It just it's Kyle wasn't. Taylor, man. He just tries too hard sometimes. I mean, yeah. like, like when it's natural moments, he's really good. But when it's time to get emotional, I mean, he just, yeah, it's too much. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and that's so, I mean, that, that's going to be my, my opinion, you know, is, is some of the emotional things that should have landed just didn't quite stick that landing. And, and it may come down once I re- review this movie again and look at those scenes. It may be the scenes with him. Yeah. Know, and, and yeah, that situation. problem has a name. <laughs> Some of it, yeah, some of it just didn't quite hit it with me. Yeah, it was, it was there, and I'm like, man, man, I should be, I should be somewhere else, and I'm not. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yep. okay. Well, Sam, what's your All right, so I had two pans, and, and like I said, I, I guess I went a little little nitpicky on, on both ideas that I had. One's really super nerdy. Uh, the other is nitpicky. So, um I think I'm going to run just the nitpicky one. Okay, so I'm going to run the nitpicky one. I may throw the other one in if, if you all allow me, just so I can we can keep it nerdy, as we say often. Um, oh, yeah. ours, ours were short. So go ahead. Right at the beginning, okay, at the train crash, everything in the area has been demolished. The train, the tracks, the depot. Everything except Alice's dad, 68 Buick Skylark. I looked that up just right there. Uh, I know nothing about cars. Um, is left sitting there in the middle of all the rubble with all of the, everything around it. Okay? And it's like, okay, people, I know they had to get home somehow. That, that, that's a little bit of a device there. I get it. And then later on, he's got to crash it and do all this stuff. So, you know, I get it, but I'm like, hey, seriously, that's the one part I don't believe. Well, Sam, I'm going to, even though I had the lowest grade, I'm going to defend that for you. Uh, my dad was a carpenter. Uh, uh-huh. a shade, I call him a shade. You know, he was one of the shade tree carpenters. Uh, he had, instead of a work truck, he had a work car. Mm-hmm. It was a 1982 Buick Skylark. <laughs> Oh, okay. You could not destroy that. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> the train probably did hit it. 
but it was still okay. <laughs> it just bounced off. Cause that's what American made was like. <laughs> Detroit Steel, baby. That's right. <laughs> no, but they but that there was an easy fix for that though. Just park it further away. Right. It was parked right in front of the depot though. Yeah, one little line like, oh, we had to park so far away so nobody would see it. Well, and when then you like the shot, it wouldn't you know, I mean there's yeah. ways to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what, what, what's, your, what's your nerdy one? All right, you want my nerdy one? Sure. Okay. When Alice asked Joe, how did you learn to do zombie makeup? And I, and I even turned on the, 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 the subtitles. He says, the Dick Smith Monster Makeup Handbook. All right? This is how nerdy I'm getting. The Dick Smith Monster Makeup Handbook was not published until 1985. Okay? <laughs> the correct reference should have been the famous Monsters of Filmland Makeup Handbook written by Dick Smith that was published in 1965. All right, Captain Continuity. <laughs> and that is my nerdy pen. <laughs> So you should have just said from Dick Smith. There you go. That is the nerdy pen. That That's right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Let's give out some awards. <laughs> So here we go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sam, Sam, you were wrong. You didn't have an nerdy one. You had two nitpicks. That was real nitpicky, bro. <laughs> what, what, what was nitpicky and what was just nerdy? <laughs> All right. Well, our first award is one of our every episode mainstays. Best performance. And um, I'm going to see what the right answer is. We can all say, we can all, you know, agree and then just move on. Um, L Fanning. Um, that little girl absolutely killed it. And when when they when she did that first scene where like she was doing the like you know can you can she do the thing let's run the lines and she just goes right into character and all the other kids are just staring at her like blown away. I was with them. It's like wow, this is this is not a normal child actor. This little girl is something else. Like she's she's gonna be in stuff. Like we're not we're all gonna know her name. She's gonna she's gonna be a star. Uh, you know I I'm right on the board with what Jamie's saying. Uh, El El Fanning uh, playing Alice Daynard was probably my the just the best performance in this. You know, and I love the way that her character develops. You know, at at the beginning when we're first introduced, she almost feels like she's much older than all of the other kids mm -hmm. and it's probably because a lot of the way that she's had to live with her dad and stuff like that but being around the kids softens her up and she starts acting more like a kid and, and i really appreciate that that translation from you know the beginning to the end of this movie and and i'm sorry she channels the best young drew barrymore that that i i just it just can't get over it it's perfect you know <laughs> Well, so, yeah. you're not wrong. 
You're not wrong, and, and I will tell you, she's going to come up later in, in these awards for me. But as far as an actual performance goes, I mean, she she really, you know, it flew. But I loved uh, Joel Courtney's portrayal of Joanne. Um, his insecurity with his dad, his trying to fit in with the friends, uh, kind of the most grounded young man in that group. Um, I, I, his performance to me really was an anchor in that in this movie. But uh, you know, you're you're not wrong with L. But I, I've kind of taken a, a little different spin on that. But uh, as far as a performance goes, um, I'm going to stick with Joe Lamb's character. You just didn't want to agree with me. I see yeah, how it is. I get it. That's fine. Yeah. Captain B grade there. You can't be, to be different. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, is, that, is that throwing some shade at my grade had to be different? <laughs> All of your grades recently. Um, <laughs> well, I thought you recovered from your Winter Soldier grade. I was going to say, Jamie's still smarting after Winter Soldier. So. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Cap- Captain, Captain B-Face there. Uh, what's our best scene, Dwayne? Lead us off. Well, I, I tell you, the train crash really brought me into this movie. Uh, you know, the, the funeral scene at the beginning was heavy and weighty and, and laid uh, some good groundwork there. But when you see that the train crash was just, I mean, it was just, it was just all out, everything to the wall. Uh, that was, I believe a lot of the budget went to that scene and just <laughs> the spectacle and how long that train crashes forever. <laughs> 473 train cars attached to that. Right, yeah. yeah. It it, it crashes. (laughs) And, you know, and it it does. It sets up the whole implications for the rest of the movie. You know, and from the minute, from the minute that they're on there filming as the train's coming by, production value. (laughs) I love that, kid. And they're having to scream their lines. Yeah. You know, they're having to scream their lines uh, until they, you know, pick up the uh, metal Rubik's Cube, jump in the car and take off. You know, that, that you know, the interactions with the professor, um, you know, I've never had a teacher pull a gun on me before. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I'm going to jump in and go ahead and agree with you. That to me is just, it's the most like, mind blowing scene in the movie. And I think you're, I think about 50% of the budget's in the, in that five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> because the alien at the end is not even on the same level as the effects in the train crash. It's not even close. And I think it's probably why they don't have a big-name actor in this movie. Like, all the budget went into the train crash. <laughs> the same somebody hire some TV actors to make that train crash look awesome. All right, so so we, we've said that, you know, it nods to Spielberg, nods to John Carpenter, is the train crash, and nod to Michael Bay. <laughs> There, there was some explosions. Large explosions. Devastation happened. I were the fireballs for a Michael Bay scene. So oh, there yeah, yeah, that's, true. that's true. All right. So, so you guys picked out a scene from the beginning. I chose a scene towards the end of the movie as my best scene. Okay. Uh, I love the scenes in the tunnel. Okay. When they actually go down to save Alice. Uh, from the got any sparklers forward, it's just, it's great. Um, and it's I love when he dumps out his backpack. I know, it's great. Uh, <laughs> I've got a comment on that coming up. But um, 
but you know the interactions are good but i i love the detail i love the tunnel itself you know if you look closely it's not just one consecutive hole there are multiple marks going in different ways which to me this multiple armed extraterrestrial digging in tandem i can see that just based on the way the tunnel's designed and, and to me that's just one of those little teeny things that that provides realism in this movie and and that scene just really set apart instead of that nice little just uniform tunnel stretching out you know you could tell that something made this by hand and that worked out real nice i thought yeah that would that the end was a fun scene you know the whole rescue there and that that adventure and journey was 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 wonderful yeah. I, I did. I didn't enjoy watching the alien eat people, though. That was a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it was just like a snatch. You know, it, it, yeah. it, it was. You know, nowadays you would have it gobble them down. You know, you right. know this was a seventies and eighties, you know, science fiction horror movie. Chomp, they're gone. You know. <laughs> yeah. And the sound, man. It was just. I. I, I didn't enjoy that. Yeah, it yeah, was, it was gotta, very well done. I didn't have a good time with it. Did like <laughs> crunching, right? <laughs> well, Sam, since you're a little different uh, on us from the best scene, why don't you uh, take off on best character here? All right. Best character for me, and, and this goes back to even some things we talked about with Sandlot. You know, Dwayne, you talked about having a friend, you know, like Hamilton, right? Um, you know, Carrie played by Ryan Lee, was probably one of my favorite characters because I had a buddy like that. Um, the fact that he was just so excited about rolling his own M80s, you know? <laughs> I mean, like I said, this guy grew up with good friends, man. I think he blew up every action figure and playset he ever owned. <laughs> so I could totally see him in this character and, and that just made Carrie stand out for me as the best character. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a question, though. Were Sanford's braces really like that? He looks like a Bond villain. Yeah. <laughs> I sure yeah. didn't have the whole headgear thing. Yeah, yeah, he could, yeah, he could have. Yeah, he probably uh, is glad he, he he dodged the headgear situation. But yes, yeah, '70s braces were atrocious. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you're talking James level Jaws. <laughs> yeah, 70s braces were torture. Oh, yeah. So that, that kind of gets you maybe a, an insight on his dementedness there <laughs> with what he was going. Uh, I, I'd like to go next uh, for best character and uh, maybe defend my pick from best performance here. Best character to me was Alice Dane. Elle Fanny. Uh, she really brought it, I thought, as far as character development. And her having the journey there, uh, like you said, you see her, she's kind of much older and tougher at the beginning. And as she builds a relationship with these young men, and Joe especially, the, the relationship that, that develops there and the, the affection that they have for each other really is heartfelt, heartwarming. And Sam, when you're talking about the tunnel scene, when he says, you know, I'm here to save you, you see her melt. Mm -hmm. You see it all over her body. You know, she just sells that emotion there. So I think she is probably one of the best developed uh, characters through this movie. 
Well, I'm, I'm, so you, you had your performance of characters backwards, in my opinion, because <laughs> I had no fanning for base performance, and I'm going to go with Joe Lamb. Okay. So it's your base performance for my base character. I love this kid. Um, he's got trouble at home. Um, not that his dad is a bad dude. He just doesn't know what he's doing. He's just not a great dad. Um, this kid's kind of a weirdo. Um, he's got his first crush. He's got no game. <laughs> doesn't know how to do anything. <laughs> Um, but even with all that he's going through and all the heartache and all the trauma that's left from his mom's passing, um, there's still this goodness about him that's really compelling. And he's just this really fascinating, you know, great little character. I just, I'd, I'd love Joe Lamb. I don't, and I don't want a sequel. It's a movie that doesn't need a sequel. But I would like J.J. to reassure me that Joe Lamb had a good life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need to know that they're okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think, you know, as a character, Joe's great. I mean, he's, you know, very much like, you know, a kind of kid that that I was at that point, you know, or would be, you know, as I got a little older. You know, at at this age, I still have no game. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) anytime I try to, Kinder just laughs at me. So, yeah, it's just one of those things. (laughs) All right. Well, our next award is our last award. we call them staple awards? I'm not sure. Staple. Ones we do every week. Um, it's our best quote. And um, and I love the quote I'm going to use. It's a profound idea um, put in a child's words. And it's when um, when Joe's reasoning with the alien. And the alien has grabbed him and is holding him up to his face. And Joe's just talking to him. And he says, I know bad things happen. Bad things happen. But you can still live. You can still live. And I just love that because, I mean, Joe has been through some stuff, you know, um, his mom's, you know, sudden and very traumatic, you know, what the way she died, um, all of the headache with his dad earlier in the movie, kind of just like, hey, you need to go away to this camp because we both need that. You need, I need you to not be here. I mean, that's kind mm-hmm. of, a, I, yeah. can you imagine as a kid hearing that? And, and he's just reassuring this, saying like, look bad stuff happens to us we can we can be okay like we can still we can push through this you know and it's just powerful i mean it's 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 a it's a profound moment and just like really childlike i mean the childlikeness the way he puts it i just i made it made it even more affecting to me Uh, that's my best quote from the movie yeah that's that's a really good one and shows his depth uh you know as as a character with these relationships while he was dealing with with his dad and, and the whole situation of losing his mom he 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 knows you have to work through life. Um, uh, my best quote uh, is a scene that involves him, but also involves Alice. And uh, she she tells Joe, she says, I know I don't know you at all. Even, you know, but it feels like I do. Do, do you feel like that? Joe says, no, no, I totally do. I'm just kind of in shock about this whole conversation. So <laughs> it's, it's her kind of confusion. Confessing her her feelings, and he's like, "Huh? Oh, my gosh, you know, talking about having game. You know, he's just kind of blown out of the water there with her uh, interactions. And uh, I love, I love that interaction it was so telling to both of them that they were both so out of element. Yeah, but they both, you know, found their their place. Yeah. All right, guys. So, as with normal on my quotes. I have to go something that I thought was just funny. It struck me, okay? So we've had profound, we've had heartwarming. Now we've got my quote. Um, One of the kids that doesn't get a lot of mention in this is Preston. 
Preston's played by Zach Mills. He's been in a few other movies that I've seen. He's usually the geeky kid. Um, but he was the one behind the camera, essentially, filming. Um, and when he looks at Carrie and says, your obsession with fireworks, and I'm saying this as a friend, concerns me and my mother. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I've always I've always heard that that you learn about a character by what they say, what they do, and what other people say about them. And so, when Preston says it concerns me and my mother, it just gives me the idea that Preston is probably still living with mom. Uh, but <laughs> that's going to be my quote for this. <laughs> I took that also as a subtle, like, did you need to chill out? We're not going to be allowed to hang out anymore. <laughs> My mom is questioning your uh, fire back tendencies. Yeah. Or you just sit and play with a lighter the whole time, too. <laughs> like, and oh for 70s God. parents, you know, for 70s parents to notice, it had to <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Remember, we talked about when we talked about Stranger Things. About those parents were just completely oblivious to anything going on. So, I mean, th this would have still been around that, that same period of time, parent-wise. <laughs> All right. Well, now we're getting into the review-specific awards. And so it's uh, – JJ's known for some things. Lens flares we've already talked about. Um, he is um, – I don't want to – I don't like the word hack. JJ's better than that. But um, – is borrowing of tropes? Borrowing? Um, stealing? Homage? Homage, yeah. Homage? Probably a nicer way to put it. Um, <laughs> but there's Spielberg fingerprints all over this thing. And so our, our, our first episode-specific word is the best Spielberg nod. So, Dwayne, why don't you lead us off? What's your favorite Spielberg nod? This thing? My favorite Spielberg nod, it's kind of really general in this thing. And it's just kind of the whole small town. That is could fit into any Spielberg movie. You know, you've got the the police station, you've got just just this small town. All the dogs are disappearing in all different directions. Just the things that happen there around town, uh, just a whole surrounding area seems like such a nod to Spielberg to me. Yeah, just going real general there. You know, I'm I'm kind of on that that same line with my best nod. You know, one of the things I think that makes Spielberg's movies great is that he takes these very realistic settings and and puts them in this very fantastical world. So yeah, if you it just feels about, real. Yeah, yeah exactly. think about Jaws. You think about E.T. You think about Close Encounters. You know, we get very grounded, real life characters that are put into these very larger than life plots. And, and to me, Spielberg is, is great at that. And I think that's what, you know, J.J. is doing in this movie also. Um, I have a question, though. So this is a really small town, right? How many towns that size have that many police officers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they had an abnormal police department budget. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so my, my best Spielberg nod is um, is detective, not detective, it's not that big of the police force, uh, it's De <laughs> Deputy Jackson Lamb. He's basically the Roy Scheider character from Jaws. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Who is my all-time favorite Spielberg character? I'll, I love that guy. I'm blanking on his name right now. I can't believe this. I was trying to Google it real fast while y'all were talking, but I couldn't find it. Um, but I, I love that guy. And what this character, that what Jackson Lamb is doing in this movie, is the exact same role. Even the exact same feel, some of the same situations. Think about the argument with his boss where he's trying to make him um, aware and take the situation seriously. It's the same scene as Roy Scheider talking to the mayor in Jaws. It's the exact same scene. You can't get the people to take it seriously. Um, and then when, and when, when Jackson Lamb goes into the army base, it's the same kind of feel. It struck me the same way as when Roy Scheider gets on the boat to go out after Jaws. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the small town police officer getting in over his head because it's the right thing to do, you know, kind of deal. And I just, I got a huge kick out of that. I mean, it's the same role. Same character, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I had a B in my head, Jamie, and it, not the B that Dwayne gave, but a B in my head <laughs> um, for the name, and it's Brody. Brody, yeah. Martin Brody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One of the kids' name is Martin, too. I wonder if that's on purpose. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, so for our last award this, uh, this week is the best kick-in-the-feels moment. Um, and there's a lot of them. <clears throat> JJ was going over the uh, overboard, you know, making us making us uh, maybe trying to get the room dusty or something. But, uh, Sammy, what's your best kick-in-the-feels moment? All right. Uh, I think for me the best kick-in-the-feels moment is, you know, th- it's a big setup. Right from the beginning of this movie, we see the importance of the necklace to Joe, the connection to his mother, all those things. Then at the resolution, he has to let go of the necklace. Right? Symbolically, he's having to let go of the past. He's having to let go of the hurts. And that's the only way him and his dad are gonna be able to really move forward in their relationship. You know, we see a similar situation with the dad admitting it was an accident. But that scene with the locket, I think from a kid's perspective especially, that, that was a kick in the feels, I think. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, mine is, is, is with Joe again. Um, it's when Joe is rescuing Alice. And it's, it's, a, it's not the moment. I guess it just, it just struck me. Um, it's when... Um, when she finds out that her dad was worried and that her dad had told him um, all that, that he wanted, you know, Joe to save her, all that kind of thing. She has this look on her face and you can, you can just see years of bad parenting um, years of having an alcoholic dad. You can just see all of that. And um, it's really touching. I mean, and she's a good enough actress that (laughs) she's so young and she can pull that off. It's mind blowing. But you can see all over her face, all the history, all of the failures, all the disappointments, all the letdowns. And it just touched her so much that her dad even cared that yeah. he wanted her to get rescued. It just, uh, it that, that one kicked me right in the feels, man. Yeah, that was a very, very, very touching moment. It yep. really was. Uh, my, my one, it really kicked me right in the gut. Um, also involves Alice, but it's after the confrontation when the parents ban uh, you know, each kid from seeing each other. You know, her dad bans her, his dad bans him, you know, from, from seeing each other. And she sneaks over to his house and she sneaks in the window. The power's out and they're and they're talking. And when the power comes back on and the home video shoots, you know, of, of his mom, 
and you see her deal and process that and the weight and the destruction that is caused in her family and she recognizes mm-hmm. it in his family and she's just sitting there bawling crying and, and you know I have I have a young lady uh, daughter Jamie I know you have young girls and you talk a lot about you just wanting to protect them make them okay you know at that, that moment if I could have crawled through the TV screen and just grabbed her and hugged her you know it's, it's, <laughs> it's okay you know that was really, you know, the weight of the incident, you know, that had divided the families uh, yeah. is, is, is evident and, you know, begins to get processed there. And that really, really just kicked me right in the gut, right in the gut. That was that was something that really struck me. And, and that thing was, that, go ahead, Sam. I was going to say that was a really that was a touching scene. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that really was. But something that always touches us and that is near and dear to us. I don't. It, it could be touching us, you know, as John Wick kicking butt. <laughs> could be Keanu kicking us in the butt with laughter. Could be Nia bullet time. But Keanu Reeves is always. And always has a connection somewhere, somehow, to the movie's review. Jamie, where is this Keanu connection today? That was quite a build-up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was waiting for you after this commercial. <laughs> I uh, I took a note from the uh, Kyle Chandler School of Dramatic Acting. Uh, <laughs> You, you weren't grimacing hard enough. Um, so I, I normally give child actors a break. Um, you know, like a couple of those kids in the Sandlot, you know, they didn't have deep filmographies after the Sandlot. It's a good reason. Didn't bring it up much on that show. You know, child <laughs> actors get a pass for me. Don't talk about them. Try hard not to judge them at all, let alone harshly. Um, but this movie didn't require that attitude whatsoever. Um all of these kids were good. Even the kid with the monstrous braces on his face was killing it. Um, these were, this was a, I mean, it's Stranger Things level of talented child actors. I mean, I was really impressed. And a few of them have gone on to have blossoming young careers. Elle Fanning's doing lots of stuff. Um, the kid, I'm blank on his name, the kid from uh, the Joe Lamb, the play Joe Lamb. Um, he's doing, he's done some Joel stuff. Courtney, yeah. Yeah. Um, but one of the other kids has went on to be in The Kings of Summer, a movie called Barely Lethal, and several other flicks. But most in, most recently, the kid that played Martin in Super 8, Gabriel Basso, co-starred with Keanu in 2016's legal drama The Whole Truth that no one has seen, um, where Gabriel Basso plays a kid that apparently murdered his father and... Keanu is the lawyer trying to get him off. Um, <laughs> so Keanu was this kid's lawyer. That is our Keanu connection. I thought the only... Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, was that Keanu and the devil's advocate? Yes. Yeah, I Keanu's been a lawyer a couple of times. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was the only one he was a lawyer in. I think of... the whole thing was kind of an indie flick. I'd never even heard of it. I'd never heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he, he's the he's the guy that was the actor that wanted to be in front of the camera, the detective kid. Yeah, the, um, was he the one that threw up all the time? Yeah, yeah, okay. oh, I loved, yeah, I loved that. 
just in the colors. So. Yep. But uh, yeah, so apparently in this movie, like, you know, he's either accused of or he actually did kill his dad, but had good reason something. But Keanu's trying to get him off the hook. So the whole yeah. truth. Well, that's good of our Keanu. <laughs> Always saves the day. <laughs> that's great. All right. So our next quest um, is a really special one. You know, Earth Day's coming up. And it's something that everybody needs to take seriously. We've, we've got a planet. <laughs> no, we've got taste. Um, <laughs> he, Zach, he, <laughs> are you sure you can say that with this big? No, um, I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting there. Okay, I'm trying to do the Dwayne Justice build up here. All right. Um, <laughs> Captain Planet should have been riding your wheelhouse for your age. Um, I'm not going to say whether that was watched in my house or not, but I could probably <laughs> sing the theme song. Um, so Earth Day's coming up, and we decided to do one of our holiday specials. It's a, a very timely, meaningful episode based on this important day. <laughs> so, Sammy, what are we watching for Earth Day? <laughs> We're going to be watching Waterworld. <laughs> Kevin Costner, Dennis Hopper. <laughs> I have my VHS copy right here. The VHS Two hours and 16 minutes, 1995's Waterworld. Yep, it's a time. It's a timely man. It's a power, powerful message for a you know a timely moment. So. <laughs> I think we almost should have done Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with with all of the apocalyptic things happening and the and the the memes going around, I love the uh, you know should we go ahead and start dressing like Mad Max or does that come later? <laughs> I saw I saw a meme the other day, and I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to drag this out, but like um, it was one of those what we thought we were going to be wearing, and it's the guy from a Road Warrior. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, well, I thought we were gonna be wearing during the apocalypse, and the next to it was like a picture of Martin Freeman <laughs> with his with his towel and bathrobe. With the towel yeah. and the robe. Yep. <laughs> so what we're actually wearing during the apocalypse. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so so in honor of Earth Day, we're gonna watch Waterworld next time. So go ahead, break out your ancient copy, see if you can find one of Dwayne's VHSs or something, and watch Waterworld, and then join us next week for a good time. And until then, Jamie, we're going to keep our masks on. We're going to keep it nerdy.